0: So that's why we want to see uh, people taking the job search as, as a transformational, as a transformational experience, to add on to the already transformational experience that comes with being an international student, right? Um,
1: one thing is, like, I do think international students go through such a mo- harder time, and it builds grit. And I do think that that grit will be the reason why they become so much more successful uh, later on in life. And so- All right. Welcome, 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 welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. And today we're bringing back one of my favorite guests of the show so far, David Mendoza. He's the CEO of Orbit 5. He's also a college professor and he is originally from Colombia where I'm from, but he's been in Canada for over 15 years and he's as passionate as I am to help international students. So today's conversation, we're going to actually focus for international students, talk about what it's like to be an international student. What are some of the things that you should know if you're recently getting to the country, whether it's in the United States or Canada, and talk about the challenges in the immigration system, both in America and in Canada, and how to navigate that a little bit. But without further ado, David, welcome.
0: Daniel, thank you so much. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> great to see you again. I'm great, man. And it's great to see, uh, to talk to you, a fellow Colombian doing excellent work we met a couple of years ago we talk about international students we share the same passion of helping the new talent in north america thrive and build exciting careers so it's lovely to be back thank you for having me as a guest again man.
1: no absolutely when 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 our we're kind of we going and saying all right let's, we're doubling down on the podcast we're making a video podcast who do we bring back i i was like hey you want to come <laughs> back <laughs> i'm glad so you know what do you think has changed for international students in the last two years? And yeah. what do you, what do you think is going to look like in the next two years? So a couple of things have changed.
0: Uh, I'm going to start with a negative. Okay. I'm going to start with a negative part of it. A lot of things have changed in terms of mental health, As, at least in Canada, mental health and international students have been declining at dramatic rates for a couple of reasons, right? First of all, I would, I would say it's misinformation, right? So people are coming to Canada with unrealistic expectations. Maybe because they are sold into the idea that you arrive at Pearson Airport here in Toronto and then as soon as you walk out from the airport, a job is full from the tree and then you're gonna get that job. And as you, we know, it that's not the reality at all. So that's something that is unrealistic that people have been sold on. Another thing, I've talked to a lot of students and they say, uh, I, I talked to a student the other day and he wants to be a veterinarian. But he's taking a journal business program at a college and i'm like what make you what made you think sorry what made you take that a business program if you want to you're thinking about such a different path and she said well because the agent told me that this is the only space available and i should take that so i think it's it's a very bad thing from the agent's um side to try to get someone in a program that is just convenient for them to get their commission. not thinking about what student re- real interest is. Other things, people come here and they live, they, 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 the, exp- the expenses have increased a lot. So the, the just living, the cost of living is incredibly high right now compared to what it was in 2020. Rent is ridiculously expensive, groceries, transportation, everything. So I've heard about cases where landlords are renting rooms, rooms, quote unquote, because it's not even a room. They offer a bed, a double bed, that they have to share with someone they don't know, and they're charging over 500 dollars for that space, right? And the student is out of options and stuff, so there are students who have to take those things because otherwise they're going to go homeless. So there's so many things that are happening. That have really impacted the lives of a lot of international students, and it's been hard also to get support um, from from institutions because it's it's uh, as you know, Daniel, like colleges are, are understaffed, right? Not only the career services department, but also counseling and stuff, right? So I think colleges are having a hard time coping with this and catching up with all the needs that these students have. So it's been it's been sad because the the uh, the suicide rates among international students have have been in increasing right also they graduate there's a pressure from family okay we mortgage our properties our houses for you to go educate yourself in another country so you need to find this job but all these other noises happening so i think that's one of the things that have changed unfortunately for not the better in the couple in the last couple of years
1: yeah and and what you're saying man it it hurts a lot because you know, this is not a, a political podcast and it's not about going into politics in this podcast, but I do think, you know, that the international students that are coming to North America um, are, are being sold a, a fake dream and they're not being sold the reality of what happens once you graduate. The assumption of you coming to America or North America, America, or Canada in this scenario, right? And you're gonna get a degree from an American university, and then you're gonna graduate, and there's gonna be plenty of jobs because you hear the unemployment rate in in North America is extremely low. Um, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the reality because not every company is willing to sponsor, at least in the United States. You know, and we'll talk about the difference in the immigration systems here in a little bit. And I think to your point, a lot of these universities are charging uh, different tuition pricing to international students, and and. And it's, there's like different tiers of, of it, of, of pricing. You have residents for the state. And so the, the, so like I give you guys an example and, and this is just to generalize or to, to make a point. If I'm in Florida and I want to go to the University of Central Florida, as a Florida resident, I might pay $1,000 per, per per credit hour. As an out-of-state U.S. citizen or resident, you might pay two thousand dollars per credit hour as an international student you might pay three to four five thousand dollars per credit hour and that's really that's a lot of money to be investing and they're not even telling the students that there's no job especially if you're not if you're not doing any stem like if you come to the united states as an international student and you're not getting a stem degree you i'm willing to bet that you have less than one percent chance of staying here and get a job because you only have one year of OPT and no company is going to hire you in one year because if you think you're going to win the lottery, the H1B lottery in one try, you're not looking at the statistics of over 300,000 people applying and less than 80,000 people being selected. So do the math there. So no company is going to be willing to want to hire you for one year or less than one year. And so what ultimately happens is they either A, have to go back to their country B, Go get another degree or C, go to a different country, which is a lot of them are moving back to Canada because Canada's immigration system, it's more on like there's a point system and maybe you can elaborate on that. But I think it's tougher. I agree with you. It's, it's, it's gotten tougher. And I think what's interesting is that I thought COVID was a hard time for international students. I think now is a harder time. Because I, I think we didn't realize how many tech companies were actually hiring during COVID. And a lot of those hires were also international students. And now that the tech companies, the ones that like employed over 80%, you know, the 80-20 rule applied. There's like 20% of companies that employed 80% of those international students that are no longer hiring them. And it's making it tough. And and um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I found, you know, as I talked to a lot of uh, leaders in this in the in the tech companies, they're they're reducing costs, right? There's only two ways to lower to increase profit, to to make Wall Street happy, right? To make the investors happy. And that's to increase profits. And there's only two ways to increase profits. That's, you know, you increase revenue or sales, right? Or you decrease decrease costs. And I think a lot of these uh, tech companies realize, and they're hiring a lot of international students, particularly from Asia, uh, that are saying, okay, I can go hire a an, an, an software engineer right out of college and pay them $100,000 as an example. And the majority of the most talented software engineers happen to be international students from Asia, or I can open an office in India as an example and hire them back when they get back home because the immigration system didn't work for them and then pay them $30,000. And so that's, I see that happening over again, but you know what, the problem with this whole thing is their student debt is in dollars, right? So, what happens is that a lot of the international students, like, and if you're listening to this, I really hope that you still have some time before your graduation and you can be proactive about this because if you have massive student, student loan debt or your parents invested a massive amount of their money for you to come here, the only way for you to pay that is if you can stay in the United States for three to five years, make 70, 80, $100,000, be able to pay that back and then maybe move back home, but it's gotten really tough. And what I found in my, in my you know, I, we, we serve the same clients. We serve international students. I found that what was taking my clients three months to get a job last year is taking them four to five months. And the same jobs that my clients were getting, making $100,000 or more are now making $70,000, $80,000. So yes, is it still possible to get a job in this market. Yes, it is. It's taking longer. So you got to be more proactive and you're going to make a little bit less
0: hmm And also they and also like, so they're making less money, but the, 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 the life expenses are like higher, higher, yes. right? With, with and without any warning or something or anything. Right. So that's, so that's a problem. Let me ask you something, Daniel. So for example, then uh, you said that they have a window of one year, right? If they take a second program, they still have that one year or it accumulates and they get that two year. Window to to apply for jobs and get sponsored. How does that work?
1: So if so, if you're talking about a STEM student, um, for a STEM student, you actually have three years of OPT. So it's it's the one traditional year that anybody gets, whether you're studying a liberal arts, studying English, you're studying history, or you're studying like some some business. And then as a STEM student, if you can show that you are employed working within your major, you get an extra two years. So you have a total of three years, and that should be in theory, enough tries within the lottery to get selected. And at that point, statistically speaking, you have more than a 60%, 70% chance of being selected. Um, and you're, so, but then what if you're not an international student? And I, or sorry, what if you're not a, a STEM student, which you only have one year, and I said an option is for you to go back to school. Um, you can go back to school and depending on your degree, you can get if, if it's a STEMs degree, then you can go back and get three years. So every degree you get, you get OPT, which is like uh, like it stands for like on the job training. It's like you get a, oh, a year of experience, and so that's that's where you have to do. So I've 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 I've, I've talked to people that David they've, they've gotten three degrees. Like that's the only way for them to say. So they would get a degree, get a job for a year, they didn't get the lottery, go back to school get a degree, work for another year, didn't get the lottery, go back to school, get a degree, work for three years, finally get selected after like the sixth time of being in the lottery. Right. And it's like, it's like what is it? Like a $200,000 debt,
0: right? Something like that, something insane.
1: Yeah. Over I'm, 100K for sure, right? It's a lot. Because you're not only just counting the credit, the credit classes, you have to count for what's living and what food, uh, travel, and you can't work. You can't work. You can only work on campus for the first two semesters. And as you know, the universities are not paying you top top dollars. They're paying you minimum wage Like in the United States. You might get paid $15 an hour, $10 an hour, like 15 at best. Right. It's not it's not a lot. So so I think Canada does have an advantage in
0: that regard. Because here, what happens when you when you attend a public college, right? You get, if you take a one year program, then uh, it's you get a one year postgraduate work permit, mm-hmm. and if you take a two year program or longer than that, you get it. You get three years, right? So usually people they took that they take the two year program to get the three year window. Sure. And sometimes people who take the one year program, and if they feel that they well they're not getting a job in on time and stuff, they might enroll in another one year program so they get a three year thing, right? The other good thing is that people don't need to get sponsored here, right, so once you get a job in the field and that job is aligned with the classification of the government for you to apply for your PR, you work in that job for a year and then you can apply for your for, for your for your documents right so I think Canada does does have an advantage in that regard that gives people i guess less pressure uh, because I can only imagine like a student in the states right with all this pressure and they then the lottery thing. And my time is running out and I'm going to get kicked out and stuff. Again, those things add on to the pressure that already happens in our lives with all the noise that is surrounding us, right? Uh, Now, changing gears a little bit. Now, on the positive side, I feel that not only student, international students, but also uh, job seekers in general, I feel that after COVID, they are more selective and they're more thoughtful about the opportunities that they want to pursue with, you know, having of course the the option to compromise a little bit so i think that's something positive because they are thinking about more what really aligns with their vision of growth and learning and what um, what gives a good or a decent roi to for them to get started in their journey here so they are interviewing the companies as well right so now they're and they're not conforming just to minimum wages or just like because i'm an international student i have to accept whatever is thrown at me i have i think they have felt they have built the confidence little by little to to fight harder and to self advocate and to negotiate and then just look for opportunities that are that are good and being more selective which is a, something good and also on the other side of this side of the spectrum i feel that people are both for pressure and for, for personal gains as well, they are more willing to upskill, right? So now I see that at least this is the message that we send to our clients at Orbit 5, right? What we want people to see the, uh, the job search as is not a traumatic experience or a daunting journey. We want people to see it as a transformational experience, right? Because when you are at point A and you start working towards landing an offer, and then the moment you're signing that offer, 15 weeks later, 20 weeks, 24 weeks later, whatever time it takes you, you look back and you're a very different person. You're more self-aware, you're more confident, you are a better communicator. You have skills that you did maybe not have at the beginning because you learned that you need to get better at these things to be more competitive. So that's why we want to see uh, people taking the job search as, as a transformational as a transformational experience to adds on to the already transformational experience that comes with being an international student, right? Because it's how you take it as well. It's transformational because I I see myself when I was an international student in the UK years ago, right? I was very spoiled back home. I had everything given to me. That was the first time that I had to build independence. That was the first time that I had to be away from my family that was the first time that my mom was not cooking my meals that I was that I was not that ha- that I had to do my laundry and stuff so it's also a transformational experience in that regard of building independence and building more self criteria to pursue what you want to pursue right so i think there's like pros and cons right there, now there
1: is but I, I would say like i don't i find it some of those points that you're saying in the united states might not have been apply as much because um one thing is like, I do think international students go through such a harder time and it builds grit. And I do think that that grit will be the reason why they're become so much more successful uh, later on in life. And so like, I talk a lot about this and I, and I, and I, um, I just saw this, um, this statistic by actually by the census, the, the, the U S census that the highest, um, that, the that, um, the, the, like the group that makes more money on average, In the United States is Indian Americans, and they make over a hundred thousand dollars, and eighty-seven percent of them have a highest college degree. So the highest, you know, from Indian American, Chinese American, Hispanic Americans, African Americans, White Americans, from all this, from all this, you know, I would say demographics, right? the highest education percentage of people that go to education are Indian Americans and the highest percentage of income earners are Indian Americans. The one with the lowest divorce rate are Indian Americans. And so I think a lot has to do with the way that they got to America and the grit and determination and the value on education that it's brings that culturally is there. And I think that this, this years that they're in college in America as international students in that it's really, really tough of them going through and finding a job, they then do such a good job when they get a job because they don't want to lose it. They don't want to do that. That long-term, this that advantage becomes their competitive advantage. And so I would say the positive is not so much of what's going on today or what's happened in the last year or what will happen next year. I think the positive is what's going to happen in their life two, three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty 10, 20, 30 years from now. And I even think I, 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 I just saw... Um, an article saying that Goldman Sachs believes that India will be the number one economy in the future, bigger than China, bigger than the U.S. And I'm not surprised. Like the work me ethic, that <laughs> kind of like the, the emphasis on education, the effort, the emphasis on technology. Like I am not surprised. Like I, I will, I, you know, like if maybe get mad at me for listening to this, but like I would put an international Indian student next to an American person, and nine out of ten times they're gonna outwork him, and. And, and put in more effort, like the amount of effort, and so I, that's why I actually love working with international students, even though it's so difficult and so tough, that that work ethic is going to pay off in the long term. And I do think, um, even even when you deal, I look at the worst case scenario of them having to go back home, I think that that experience will long term will, will will make them stronger. And and so yeah, that's my point of view on that.
0: I agree, I th- and then again, like you, you, you see, uh, like folks from India, right? So they're the genius in technologies, in technology, right? So all the CEOs from the biggest companies are, have an Indian background, right? And I think your point is very interesting, right? It's not what's happening right now, but wh- how are they going to see and perceive themselves in five years, right? Yeah. In, in that in that in that span of time, and they look back, right? And it's like I think when we look back, you know, we talk about the 2008 two, 2008 recession and whatnot. But when in five years or ten years, when we look back, we're going to think about COVID, yeah. a lockdown, right? What's what has been more challenging than like than, than that? And people who are thriving, right? Uh, I think they're building they're building a lot to play with and to contribute to society. Another thing that I wanted to mention uh, about the the talent of international students and what they can achieve. Look, I have a client of mine that I met in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic. She graduated in April 2020, and she's from Colombia originally as well. And she came to Canada with a wealth of experience and education. Right. She had her bachelor's in commerce back home and then she did an MBA in Spain. She worked for multinationals. She brought millions of dollars to the companies that she worked with. She did two programs here in Canada, one program in, in consulting, one program in project management. So you would think that this person will have it very easy after graduation to land a role easily. Right. Well, she did not. She was completely lost. Right, and again, the, the pandemic aspect mm-hmm. added onto the entire picture. Right, but then we started working together. Long story short, she ended up getting uh, a, a good financial role at a, one of the top Canadian banking institutions. Here, a year later, she got promoted. Right, so she learned the game. She started promoted. She starts really showing what her true value is. Two months ago, she got promoted again. One week after her promotion, she got a message from a recruiter asking her if she would like to talk another opportunity. And she calls me and she's like, David, this happened. I don't know what to tell this recruiter. I just started this, this pro- I just got this promotion. And I'm like, how do you like the opportunity that she's presenting? No, David, it's amazing. It looks incredible, like an amazing challenge and stuff, right? So what are you talking about? You need to chat with that recruiter just chat with them and see what this opportunity is about right so the, why am i bringing this conversation because sometimes the international student also if a manager gives them the opportunity they will gain a loyal member yeah. in their team yeah. and she was struggling with this daniel oh i just got up a, a promotion right so i don't know if i should talk to this recruit because they just gave gave me this opportunity so i told her look you got the promotion perfect but if your company has to lay you, you off tomorrow, they will not think twice. Just talk with this person and see what this is about, and I will chat again, right? And then they had a conversation, and I asked her, so what would be the what what would make you move to this other company and get that offer? Salary, money. Simply, that was the answer. Money. Okay, perfect. So now you are. In a position of power because you are not looking for a job. Yeah. You are happy at your job and you just got promoted. So the recruiter offer is offering you something and then you can negotiate and you can set up your minimum standard. I will not move unless unless I, ca- I get this base, right? She went to interviews, she got to talk to VPs and stuff. They loved her. Uh, she created a project for her for them after after the um, after the initial conversation. And she got the offer, right? Thirty-five thousand dollars more than what she was making at her last promotion. How is how is she gonna say no to that? Right? Especially again when she lives in an apartment downtown Toronto without roommates, she's paying in insane amounts of rent, so that extra money is going to help her a lot, and it's a project that she loves, and is really aligned with what she wants to do, and she's like, it's, it's a change. I've been here for two years already. Why not experimenting this, yes. right? But it took her a minute to, to make that decision. What do I do? Do I talk to this? Always. So, if you are listening to this, the recruiter calls you. Even if you're employed, talk to them, Leave the door open because worst case scenario, she would have said, "You know what? This is not aligned with what I want right now." But thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope we can talk in the future or whatever. Yeah. Or she wouldn't have gotten the job, and that that it doesn't change anything because she's already employed, right? So I think it's a, it, it's a it's a really nice story that I wanted to
1: share. No, and I love the story because there's so many lessons there for the audience that is listening. I think one I want you guys to make sure you understand is. Your first job out of college is not the finish line. In fact, it's the start of the marathon. And as, a, and as an international student, and I, I want you guys to start thinking your perception of time. Don't think about what happens the next semester. Think about how does this help me reach my long-term three, four, five, six years from now. And it's much easier to get a job once you have a job. It's, you know, it's, it's very interesting how that works, but it, it's, it's guaranteed to always be that way. And, and that's why it's really important to just get that first job and be proactive. And then once you have it, always be open to having a conversation. Like Even to the point of the recruiter reaches out to you, if the recruiter says, hey, this is what we're looking for, even if you're not it, do you have a friend that might, this might not be a good fit for you, but who do you know in your network? Do you remember what it felt like when you were looking for a job? Do you remember what it would have felt like? If somebody messages you on LinkedIn, I'm like, hey, I got reached out by this recruiter. I don't think I'm the right fit. I think you're a better fit. Right. And I think sometimes we we forget that because we're like as humans, we're selfish creatures and we're like, I talked to the recruiter, but this role I'm too overqualified for. Fine, mm-hmm. you are too overqualified for, but who do you know that might not be right? And so um, I want you as an international student to think about being very proactive about like the job search. You don't have the luxury that you know, a national born resident or citizen does. So be proactive, start looking for internships and jobs as soon as you can start building networking and relationships. I will tell you something that I I learned in America and I've heard people in Canada are even nicer is that most people want to help. Like most people want to help. And, And this is the way I want you to think about it. If I were to ask you, the audience that you're listening If a high school student were to reach out to you asking you for advice about college, would you give them 10 minutes of your time to help them? And every time I've asked, I've asked this to thousands of people, 99.9% of people. I think I've gotten three people in my whole life who said no. People say yes. Like people want to help. And so um, they want to help you too. They don't. and, And, you know, doesn't matter where you're coming from. doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your accent. People still generally want to help. People want to see you succeed. You just have to reach out and ask, ask the right way and, and do it in a respectful manner in a sense of like, understand, like they don't owe you anything. And if they have time, they will. Uh, but I think it's being proactive about the whole job search process becomes really important. And also do your research on the laws. Do your research on the, on the majors. Like if you're coming to America as a student, you need to do STEM. But Daniel, I want to do business. Fine. Do, do business analytics. Like, but Daniel, like, I want to do marketing. Fine. But do marketing analytics. Like, You have to do STEM. If not, you don't have a future here through the H one B process, you might have in Canada, but I, even in Canada, I don't. I'm not a pro. No, even
0: even it's, it's tough. It's tough because, for example, there's students like doing general business programs, right? And they're so lost. Yes, you don't right? have because the they electric. get a little bit of marketing, they get a little bit of accounting, they get a little bit of this, so they have
1: they know nothing. But right, David, there's I don't know how it works in Canada. I don't know maybe you do, but for you to be able to get your permanent residency, I've seen people that are in America and because they have a master's in a certain degree. They automatically qualify for permanent residency in Canada. In Canada, Canada, they have a Canada. Canada. But you said no, no, no. Uh, they, there's, they, a they, system, they, right? there's a, there's a, a, there's you, a point yeah. system, right? There's a there's a way that there's a point system, right? There's a way that now go ahead, right, you tell us more about it. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's
0: a point system, yes, uh, but still you have to you have to start an immigration process, right? And also, but recently there was like there was like a, a, an announcement from the ministry that they are going to open the door. For I think it's 10,000 people who, who want to come from can from the United States to can- Canada in STEM, right? So I think it's going to open a door for a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to take advantage of that again because because of the uh, of the process is just easier, yeah. right? Yeah. To 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 do here and, and get your and get your documents and whatnot. So I think I think uh, that's it's, it's a really good incentive for for especially for international students, maybe in, in America who are striving to get jobs there. So that could be a good option.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what I was I meant to say. Like, I don't, it's not that you automatically get it, I'm saying that you have to go through the whole paperwork, but it's not a lottery. Like that's a, the main difference. is like correct. In America, a bachelor person might get the lottery over someone with a Ph.D. And it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And same. In Canada, it's, there's a point system depending on your major yes. and your degree, and there's other variables. So I don't right. – like, I think what I'm trying to say is do your research because yes. being educated before you even get here or while, before you even graduate, understand how long you have to understand that process. They, I, I am seeing it even more and more companies that are hiring. They're like like people who, who don't get the lottery selected in America. David, they are actually the companies like the big tech companies do this very often and say, okay – you work for Google. We try sponsoring you for three times. We didn't get selected. It's a lottery, right? It's all luck. The government controls it, not Google. Nobody else. So then Google says we'll transfer you to Canada. You work in our Canada office, and then you get permanent residency in Canada, and you have the same job, work with the same team. <laughs> it's like fine, it works. But like I, I think, obviously.
0: It's, it works, right? It works, but but again, it's like and and again, like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and the episode, right? This is not a political uh, conversation or anything, but 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 then I think again, I think they should make the lives of these people easier because they are investing in the country, right? Like they're pouring thousands of dollars here, right? So that lottery, that lottery thing, it's it's crazy. And again, yes, like you said, do your homework, do your research. Just just don't. Just rely on what the educational agent back in your country tells you that this is what you have to do. Do your research, get second opinions, talk to people. That's why LinkedIn is for. Yes. Talk to people from your community who are here. Ask them, hey, what do you have to do? What, what? How do you get your job? How's school? How's the academic load? All different things so that you can make some decisions because, again, it's not cheap. It's not easy. It's a lot. It comes with a lot of challenges. It comes with a lot of reward, for sure, if you understand how to play the game. But you have to be ready and you have to be proactive to 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 pay the game. One thing that I wanted to mention, again, coming back to this, the the example of this person, right? So again, even she got the 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 offer, right? But she still had a little bit of hesitation and she was a bit nervous about giving her notice, right? And I told her, look, your 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 you know, management, they know that you guys have really in demand profiles. And that you are going to get opportunities and you're going to get calls and messages because your demand is in high profile. If they don't understand that and if they let you go in bad terms, it's their loss and this is bad leadership, right? And they took it really nicely, right? But let me give you another example. Another person, he contacted me and he said, David, like, love my job. Also, he works at a financial institution as a data scientist. And he got an opportunity with an insurance company. And he told me, I love my job. I love my job, but I want to talk about this opportunity and see what they offer and stuff. Okay, what would require for you to leave your job? Money. Okay, so how much? This this is the main, the minimum that I'm going to go for. Then I, have, I prepared him to to have the last interview with, with uh, one of the VPs, right? We went to LinkedIn, right? And we saw the picture of the guy. I told him, look, this guy looks super chill. So I think you're going to have a good opportunity to break the ice here, build rapport and stuff. And he, and he told me next day, you were right. He was super chill. We had a great conversation. Uh, it was amazing. He got, the, he got the offer, right? So I asked him, what do you want to do? And he's like, no, I think I'm going to take it because it's more money, right? He went to talk to his current employer, right? Offer. And they told him, yes. They told him, okay, you're living. Oh, my God. How much are they paying you? And he said, they're going to offer me this. Okay, we'll match it. We don't want you to go. So he st- so it was a super triple win yeah. situation for him because he loved his job, he loved his colleagues, he loved his manager, he loved the company, but he had he had to make a life decision. Yeah. Go because I'm getting this other opportunity. And financially speaking, it's it's better for me, right? And I think it's beautiful from the company that they saw his value Mm -hmm. and his potential and they were loyal to him because you don't see that a lot nowadays right they were loyal to him they say how much is it don't worry we'll match it stay we don't want to lose you so it's also a story that i wanted to to bring because it's another international student yeah right no so you see that that these stories still happen and there's still opportunities to get jobs and great opportunities as long again and i'm never get tired of this is like as long as you learn how to play the game and as no as long as you know yourself and you know what the value that you bring to the table.
1: I think you're so right. I think, you know, as as bleak as this situation is, uh, America and Canada and just being here in North America does generate amazing opportunities. And if you know how to navigate this, if you're being proactive, if you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to put yourself out there and network and build relationships, right? You will get rewarded. You will get a job. You could have an amazing life here in in, in Canada and in the United States. And I I really, really love that. Hey, David, as we wrap it up, you know, I know that you do do host like biweekly career focused webinars and you do have an amazing business where you help international students in Canada get jobs. If people want to learn more about those things and learn more about you, where can they find you?
0: Please find me on LinkedIn, uh, David David Andres Mendoza. It's my LinkedIn. And then please find us uh, on Instagram as well, at Orbit5. And we're not the number five, but the, the word five. Uh, and there are any website, in our website, Orbit5.ca. You can get all the information. We are actually revamping our website. You're going to see new products. We're going to see some new technology that we're launching hopefully at mid-August. So a lot of new, exciting solutions and things that we are developing to make the life of our community easier and build better uh, relationships also with employers and schools and stuff. So we all work as an ecosystem that support each other for the benefit of the students who come to this country to to thrive and contribute to our society.
1: Love it, love it. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, David, thank you so much for being here. Love this conversation. For all of our audience here, thank you for listening. Catch you guys in the next episode. All right, so in this rant, I wanna talk about what I feel is the most ideal path as an international student in the United States to be able to get a job and get your sponsorship. So if you're listening and you are not yet in the United States and you wanna come and study here, you need to make sure you pick a STEM major, a STEM major. Like I mentioned in the podcast and the conversation I had with David, if you're not doing a STEM major, you're only gonna have one, one year after you graduate of work authorization. And that makes it almost impossible for you to get hired. So you need to get a STEM major. Second thing I want you to do once you do get here and you pick the STEM major is that you want to start building relationships with your university as soon as possible and be able to get a job in your university, build a relationship with your professors, become a TA, work in career services, work around the university. You can work in the university for the first two semesters until you're then able to start doing your CPT or your internship time where you can be a student and work 20 hours a week, something related towards your major. I want you to start doing internships and being proactive about them. Even though you can't start your CPT until you've been there for two semesters, doesn't mean that you can't network and start applying and and building those relationships so that when the time comes, you can get an offer and start right away. I want you to understand that in America, the fall recruitment season is the most important recruitment season. So if you are, for example, graduating in May, 2024, or in May, 2025, as an example, this upcoming fall recruitment in 2023, it's really important for either A, apply for full-time jobs if you graduate in May, 2024, or B, if you're graduating in May, 2025, for you to apply for summer internships of 2024. If you can get a summer internship in, in fall 2023, for summer 2024, you're going to be able to get a job offer if you do a good job on your internship, a job offer in fall 2024 when you graduate in May or spring 2025. I know I'm, there's a lot of dates. If you need to re-listen that, again, listen to it because that is the ideal time frame or framework that you should be following because you want to have a job offer and start as soon as possible from your graduation and not use any of your time that you have. That is ideally. The worst case scenario is you're not able to get a job before you graduate. I want you to focus on stopping the clock, right? I know that you're probably focusing on getting a full-time job, but don't focus on a full-time job until you figure out a way to stop the clock. Talk to a professor, right? Do a free internship, get an offer letter, send it, show it to your school, and they can help you stop the clock. That's really, really important because if you're applying for jobs and you have less than 90 days in this type of job market is very difficult and it's going to add too much stress that you're not going to be able to handle with the pressure as you get as time gets on. Now, if, uh, if you are unable to get a job within the time frame, and you don't want to go back home and you don't want to move to Canada. The next solution for you that I have for you is to look for jobs in a non-for-profit or research institution that doesn't have to go through the H-1B process. There's a different loophole. There's a different type of visa that you should look into on there. If not, there's other schools that you can go and work for, get a different degree so you can start this process all over. Now, I know that takes longer. I know that's going to cost you more money but it's the reality It's just very, very difficult out there. So um, again, if you're an international student in America and you want someone to help you navigate this process, help you get a job, make sure that your investment of coming to America makes sense. Make sure you reach out to us. Come to one of our workshops. Set up a call with one of our coaches to understand your situation to see if we can help you. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you gain value, make sure you like and subscribe and share it with one friend. That's all I am asking for. This content is free. All I ask is that if you value it, you show us some love and share it. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode.